friends. Welcome again to another episode of the podcast. I am Jared Cornut. I'm joined by my friend who is outside and it looks like he is bundled up because it's actually cold here in Texas for a change, Matt Hensley. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back. I've been at the uh, Piney Wood camp in, or outside of Lufkin a little ways and uh, did a disciple now there with Denman Avenue Baptists, their student ministry. Had a great time with them. It's a great camp, great staff, great food. Uh, that's not something you usually get to say about uh, church camps, but it was some phenomenal eating while we were there. Good coffee, good everything. Uh, had a great time, but it's good to be back, and it's good to see you, though we are missing our third amigo, uh, J. Allen Murray, uh, who is 90-something years old, battling yeah. COVID, so thoughts and prayers for him, so uh, we are missing him, but it's good to see you, man. Good to see you. Rumor has it you worked uh, Whataburger in into all the sermons, uh, or I don't want to call them sermons, they're messages of the dean now, they're not necessarily sermons, but talks. Talks, uh, your little TED Talks. Yeah, you, little is TED that talks. true? Did you Whataburger into all your TED Talks? It's not a rumor. I actually said it myself, and yes, I did. Uh, in in some shape or form, I I put it into everything. In fact, probably the worst the worst one that I probably shouldn't even admit is that I said at the end of the day, everyone either goes to one of two places at the end of their life. Yeah, heaven or hell, right? Yeah, heaven or hell. Of course, I said, Whataburger or In and Out. <laughs> oh, so I wow. said, no, 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 heaven or hell, heaven or hell. And uh, and so, so yeah, I snuck it in there each time. And their youth pastor, uh, Don, took me to Whataburger before we left Lufkin. And uh, yeah, so I, I had well, I just got a little burger, just a little burger with some Monterey Jack, and asked them to grill. Grill some jalapenos for it. Okay. And I got the limited batch number two spicy ketchup. Woo! As you say, it's good stuff. <laughs> well, Matt, we're glad that you made it back from Piney Woods. And you're, uh, it's, it's nice to see that they're throwing the bone out to DOMs uh, to do uh, Dean Owls now. We know that you know, they usually have the young, hip guys, not old guys like you, especially not old guys like Alan, uh, yeah. certainly. Yeah, nobody's so, asking uh, Alan. Uh, but I've got this beard that automatically makes me a little more appealing, I guess. I don't know. Um, maybe that's a stretch. That's a word for it. All right. Well, <laughs> we're going to move on to our, our first topic tonight. And hey, uh, yesterday, uh, as we're recording this, I know this will be released on Tuesday, but we're recording this on Monday, um, was Sanctity of Life Day on the calendar for Southern Baptists, uh, important day for many Southern Baptists. And actually, the Baptist Press has a pretty cool article up that you can go back and kind of read the history of how this came onto the SBC calendar. Matt, I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes. Um, hey, is that something that you addressed at all at the D now, or was that kind of like, eh, doesn't really fit? And then maybe tell me, what are some things that you've seen? Did the Farmersville do anything, or what are some things you've seen churches do that maybe our listeners are listening to that they might want to do next year as they think about this day? Yeah, so, you know, it was the 38th observance of Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and, uh, you know, at the camp, I was preaching the Great Commission on Sunday morning and did not realize that was this Sunday, and or that Sunday, I guess. And <laughs> so, okay. no, I did not. Uh, however, in previous years, previous pastorates and so forth, uh, we would utilize the bulletin inserts were, were usually kind of that first step uh, mm. that the ERLC puts out. And uh, that you can plug in your bulletin. I think you can also get a full-on bulletin uh, as well. I think Jay Allen uses some of those things. 
but I think, you know, it's a great chance. Certainly, uh, you know, even those, you know, the guys like us that I know preach through books of the Bible, uh, if you've got a chance in there to put that in there, uh, even as a standalone Sunday, it's a great time to to highlight uh, the sanctity of human life and uh, and just speak on how God is uh, a God that cares about that and that matters. And uh, and so it's I think that's one way uh, you can see the resources that the ERLC puts out, graphics and so forth that you can use on your website. There's a number of things. Uh, and, uh, and, and like you said, there's a lot of history that goes into it. And, and some of it, I didn't even know, like, I didn't know the whole, uh, history behind, uh, how this came about. In fact, it was president Ronald Reagan, uh, who wrote an essay about abortion that was published, uh, back when he was president and, uh, and then later had a book out abortion in the conscience of the nation. And that was mm-hmm. the only book ever published by a sitting U S president. And, uh, and so, so, you know, looking back at that, you know, a great history there, uh, we saw that continued with the proclamations under, uh, you know, his administration, of course, both of the Bushes, uh, it stopped with, uh, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and, uh, and our current president, at least to this point, uh, Donald Trump brought it back. Uh, but we've seen that also in the Southern Baptist world, it has a mixed bag of history as well, uh, too, initially. Uh, when this was coming out, uh, Dr. Lamb, the former ERLC president, uh, said that when the convention members were trying to get a Sanctity of Life Sunday, the staff of the Christian Life Commission, now the ERLC, fought against it. Uh, he goes on to say when they couldn't get the Sunday blocked, they tried to get it moved to another time of the year so it wouldn't be associated with abortion, with, but with war and peace issues. And uh, and so there's some insights there, uh, but it's it's kind of a good example I guess that old quote by Nelson Mandela that it's never too late to do the right thing. And so I'm glad that we're highlighting it now. And uh, whether you have a full on sermon about it or make mention of it in the announcements or in part of your sermons or putting the bulletin inserts or sharing stuff online, uh, I think it's a great thing that we can highlight, not just on sanctity of human life, but but all the time, because we are a pro-life people. And uh, and so I think that matters for sure. What about you guys? What'd y'all do? So we have a partnership uh, with Thrive Pregnancy Centers. There's three of them in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And in fact, there's one less than a mile from our church. And they are a Christian organization uh, who provides uh, free health care and free uh, ultrasounds uh, for those who are considering abortion and will uh, help them get the resources to take care of their children or help them adopt their children. And in fact, in 2021, um, they uh, had 238 women uh, come and who decided to have their babies and they help them uh, from start to finish with that and even help them beyond having the baby, uh, either, whether it be adoption or, or training them how to raise. And so uh, we bring them in every uh, Saturday of Life Sunday. Uh, we show a video kind of one of their success stories. And then we have baby bottles in the back. And then we encourage our folks to take those baby bottles, fill them up with change and bring them back. And we, of course, we tell people if you don't have change, they take checks. So you can put a check in the baby bottle too. And uh, I know last year we raised like $1,500 for them uh, through loose change and then people giving. And so we, we, we do that. We highlight it. We prayed in particular uh, that uh, Casey and Roe would be overturned as there's a legitimate shot of that happening now with some of the Supreme Court challenges. And then uh, we preached the last message in our series in Ecclesiastes. We looked at Ecclesiastes 11 and 12. And my message was basically that, you know, getting old is, is meaningless if you don't have Jesus. And uh, there's only one way for you to get old, and that is to be born. And so we were able to highlight that through some different ways, even though it wasn't particularly the focus point 
of the message, but it definitely was a, a central theme in our service on Sunday. And in fact, our scripture reading from the Psalms was centered around that. And uh, we just make no bones about it. We are a pro-life church because we are part of a pro-life convention of churches. And uh, we believe what the Bible says about life. Yeah. And, uh, and I think along with something that you can do year round, you know, kind of like we talk about mission dignity, uh, there's, you know, mission dignity Sundays and stuff like that. That's something that you can highlight around the year. Another thing that you can share that the ERLC does, one of their, I, I think one of the best things that they do is that Psalm 139 project. Yep. And uh, since the inception of it, they have placed 30 ultra, ultrasound machines and are already on, on their way of placing 50 by January 2023, the moment marking 50 years since the Roe v. Wade uh, Supreme Court decision was handed down. And, uh, and so that's something that we can share, put in front of people all the time. And uh, there's more information at standforlife.com. And, uh, and on the ERLC website, they have also got links to Psalm 139 Project and uh, a great opportunity. That's Psalm139project.org if you are interested. And uh, I think it's something like 83% of women who have an ultrasound uh, will let not to have an abortion. Yeah. And so if that's something like your church says, hey, we can't, we can't do this, we can't do that. Well, maybe you can raise money for a year to purchase one of these ultrasound machines for a clinic in your area. Um, and that's something that practical you could do. And maybe you can't bring in 10 mothers into your church because you have a church of 50 people, but you could raise the money to do something like that. There's lots of great things. Matt just give you a great resource to do. Yeah. And, and another one, of course, is is also foster care and adoption. You know, that's something that yeah. you know, hits home for for you and I, especially. Yeah. And, and we've talked about before on the show, uh, you know, reach out to your local uh, adoption agencies or foster care agencies. And at the very least, you know, maybe you're you're a little older in life and, and don't feel like you can adopt a child, but you could also do respite care. There's a number of ways that you can help uh, to to meet the needs of young mothers or those that are doing foster care anyway, and uh, to truly bring that home uh, because yep. uh, it's a great opportunity. I know our lives have been shaped by it and are grateful for it. And yep. I uh, said all the time, I wake up grateful every day for a mother in India that I will never know uh, who chose life and gave me the opportunity to be the father to her son and my wife to be the mother to her son. So uh, safety of our Sunday, big day for Sunday Baptist. Uh, and let's be praying too as uh, the spring rolls around. Uh, Roe v. Wade, Casey, those cases are going to be heard. And uh, perhaps some some big things are going to happen. And then let's be prepared as churches uh, if um, you know abortion is criminalized or or you know goes back to the state that we're prepared to help those as we can. Yeah, uh, Matt. There's another interesting story on Baptist Press about an 85 year old who has taken her Bible and her walker to 34 neighbors. This is a story of Letha Owens from Hebron, Kentucky. Uh, who went and saw 34 of her neighbors to share the gospel with them. She said, I used a walker actually when I went because I could hardly walk. She's a member of the Hebrew Baptist Church there in Hebrew, Kentucky. So for me to get out and visit, I can't go too far. I mean, God just gave me the strength to actually do this at the time. Now, she uh, was uh, motivated and encouraged by the Kentucky Baptist Convention's gospel to every home outreach as they were trying to... Um, Place gospel resources in every home, 1.73 million homes in Kentucky in 2021. And her church in particular had 5,000 homes they're trying to reach in their zip code. She said, I didn't even know my next door neighbor. First thing I asked him, I asked him if he was a Christian. He went over the plan of salvation and everything. So I knew he was a Christian, but that was the first thing I wanted to know. And he gave me the courage, and it gave me the courage 
to ask. Matt, this is a great story that if an 85-year-old woman, you know, this kind of ties in the message I preached Sunday, if, if you're alive on this earth, God's got you here for a reason. Uh, how should this motivate us as people to hear about this 85-year-old woman who didn't even really know her neighbors to get out with her walker and take a lot of energy to knock on the doors and share the gospel with her neighbors? It, it tells me a few things. Uh, practically speaking, as, you know, an associational leader, um, you know, that's, that's connected with, you know, the conventions here in Texas, uh, friends with a number of other convention uh, leaders, I think it also shares the value that we have in those partnerships on the local and the state levels, because, you know, of course, there's a whole lot of emphasis in, in what we do with the CBA, uh, what the SBTC, BGCT does for, for pastors, right? You know, we're equipping churches and so forth. But sometimes those initiatives can get caught on by, you know, just the lay leaders in churches and, and those taking on that same approach. And so I think that's a great example and reminder for those of us that are in those roles to say, hey, this isn't just for pastors. We We really care about, you know, reaching the nations truly. And these are how everybody can be involved. So that's one thing. The other thing is it gives me great hope for Jay Allen, you know, at his age, uh, to to still be able to serve the Lord and uh, and to see that that this is a great example of somebody that's charting the course for him. And so, uh, but but no, a little man, younger though, a little bit, a little bit. And uh, but but man, I I just I think what sticks out to me the most is where where she says I didn't even know my next door neighbor. And, uh, and that's, that's not a slide at, at old people. That's a slide at probably all of us. A lot of times we don't often think about our next door neighbor being the closest person to us, our truest picture of a neighbor beyond our direct family uh, that, that we can reach and uh, in love and care and share the gospel to. And, uh, and if we're not willing to go there, you know, why, why would we ever, ever dare to go to another state or another country? with the gospel. And, and so that reminded me too, but man, I think the best thing is just picturing this lady just marching up and down the yeah. uh, the street in her walker. I wish I could have been with her or just seen it because it's just, just picturing it in my mind is just such a beautiful thing to say that even at 85 years old, there's still breath in her lungs. Like you talked about, God still has work for her to do and she's doing it and uh, doing more that week than I have. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm touched by that. And I thought was, I, I just thought it was an incredible, incredible story. And, uh, and I love what they said. The gospel to every home initiative was never about a program, but about people, people mm-hmm. like precious Letha loving their neighbors enough to cross the street, become involved in their lives and to tell them about Jesus, even if it takes using a walker. I mean, I, everything about this story, I think one of the best stories I've ever seen on Baptist Press, it's great. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I love that Baptist Press is highlighting stuff like this. This is should be encouraging to us, but it should also kind of be like you just hinted at, it should be convicting. Uh, listener, do you know your neighbors? Yeah. If, you, if you're like Alan, Alan does, his closest neighbor is like six miles away. But maybe if you live in a neighborhood subdivision, do you know your neighbors? Uh, in fact, in the story, Letha Owens tells us that her next door neighbor was a Christian. She didn't even know that. So neither neighbor uh, knew that. So uh, it, it's an opportunity uh, that those around us are going to spend eternity somewhere. Uh, and so let's go talk to our neighbors and develop relationships, have them over for dinner, uh, just have conversations with them, because you never know 
where that might lead. Uh, and hopefully uh, it'll lead to them coming into the Lord Jesus and that. So good job, Letha. Thanks, Baptist Press, for highlighting this. And let's encourage us to get out and share the gospel with others. Well, Matt, uh, we don't really have a Southern Culture topic tonight, but I we thought do. we'd talk about something that we both got I think we do. I think oh, we what do you got? I think we do. How about them boys? That's what I was going to bring up. How about them Cowboys? How about them boys, man? <laughs> so, oh, man. Matt and I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. He lives in the, the far north of the Metroplex and in Farmersville. Kind of, You kind of live where the Metroplex kind of ends. Uh, that's kind of like the line where it ends. The Collin County is certainly where you serve is very much in the in – and I live kind of in the heart of the Metroplex, uh, right there on 183. And, uh, well, you're right up the road. Your, your church is right up the road from – uh, from their old uh, facilities and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, our, but many of our people in our church used to have Cowboy season tickets. And in fact, if I pull out on Main Street and you listen to the city I live, I, I can see Cowboy Stadium. I'm 12 minutes from the stadium from my house, and I I loathe the Cowboys. I've never liked the Cowboys. I'm not a Cowboys fan. So I'm at Kroger last night getting something for me and Candace. I, I got the game on my phone, and this lady, she had to be 75. She looked over. She said, uh, the Cowboys, are, are, are they winning? I said, they're down six. I said, but they're about to get the ball back, and they get about three minutes, so they got a chance. She goes, well, hopefully they win. And I look back at her without missing a beat, and I said, hopefully not. And she just kind of was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he said that. Uh, so, Matt, what was your reaction when you saw that last play, Prescott sliding down, time running out? You maybe were thinking about Kyle Beerman and the pain that he was feeling. Maybe you were thinking about the, the humiliation of uh, all the people in that. What were you thinking of? I don't normally speak in tongues, but I spoke in tongues. It was it was a great moment, uh, just pure ecstasy. It was so awesome. And uh, no, uh, part part of me I felt bad because I'm like, I think I was like 12 the last time these guys won a Super Bowl. I, I think I, I looked it up. I was like I was 11 or 12. I think I think it was 96, long time right? ago. That was a long time ago, man. Yeah, and. Uh, I mean, I, I feel bad for him a little bit. I don't. But on the other side, they're so annoying. Jay Jones uh, is the worst Cowboy man. Fans. And and I'm like, I'm I'm good with it. And uh, and so I of course I had it queued up, and I was just waiting for the game to end. And I had that post with, uh, is it Ezekiel Elliott that's down in the Salvation Army? Oh yeah, I saw you. And, and he comes out with the L. And then I shared another one where it was like the the two angry girls and that little grumpy cat. Yeah, and the angry girl is wearing the Cowboys hat and says, I'm watching the Cowboys in the Super Bowl this year. And then the cat says, not without a VCR. I just, <laughs> it's so great. It, it just brought me great joy. That I have no idea who's going, like, I couldn't even tell you who's going to be in it. Like, I, I would think the Buccaneers, Tom Brady. No, I'm, probably, the I mean, probably, I mean, probably either Green Bay or, or the Rams yeah. for the NFC and the Chiefs of the Titans from the AFC. That is, it'll probably be a mixture of those four teams. Um, some combination of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people in our church know Jerry Jones. They've worked with him or they've, they've done business with him. None of them like him. <laughs> Here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. Okay, let me it hear it. It won't be the Cowboys. <laughs> it will not be the Cowboys. It will not be the Cowboys. Uh, how? Yeah. So one of our pastors on staff, uh, two years ago when I got here, Packers and Cowboys played. And so we, we bet a steak dinner on uh, – me, the Packers, winning him, the Cowboys. And, of course, Packers won, so he had to buy me a steak dinner. Well, he, he came up to me in our staff and he said, the Cowboys are going to win this playoff game. I said, you want to bet another steak? He said, I'll bet another steak with you. So I got another steak coming my way. So I'm There you go. Should have uh, Babe's Chicken Dinner House. 
I mean, I, I like steak more than I like chicken. I, okay. I, I'm not afraid to miss that. Okay. But uh, if he did say, hey, can we go to Babes instead? I, I, I might not say no mm. to that. Well, Matt, uh, how about them Cowboys in the – we're going to bring this thing to an end. Uh, thanks for joining us here at the Potluck. Uh, go out there and share the gospel with your neighbors. Uh, stand up for the right to life. And uh, don't cheer for the Cowboys. They're terrible. They're only going to break your hearts. Uh, join us next time. Same Baptist time. Same Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends.